All right. Well, just turn to the man next to you and say, I'm getting stronger. <laughs> wow, it's so good to be out here in the middle of the country in Indiana. This is great. It's wonderful. Uh, you know, I'm just honored to be able to be back here. As Pastor John says, it's my fifth time to come here uh, in the Lafayette area to be a part of this church. And I'm looking forward to this weekend, tonight and tomorrow, and then Sunday morning uh, at church. It's just great to see how God moves in different places around the world. You know, I was thinking uh, two Sundays ago, I was preaching in Singapore, uh, in there in Southeast Asia, near Indonesia, right below Malaysia. I had spent a few days in Myanmar, uh, formerly known as Burma, for a few days that week, ministering to about 250 pastors uh, there in the capital of that country that was once, uh, you know, completely closed and ruled by the military uh, dictatorship, and now they're opening up. And then I traveled to spend a few days in Thailand, and then I was able to go and preach in Singapore. And, you know, even though ge- uh, geographically places are different, uh, people look different, and they speak different languages around the world, what I love is that God, He just honors His Word regardless of the geographic location, regardless of the language, regardless of the people group. And He always honors His Word. And, you know, there are people just like you and just like me, they're standing in faith. They believe in God for some area of their life, some area of their family, some area in their finances or in their relationships. And so sometimes we forget that we're a part of something that's much bigger than ourselves. So when you deal with stuff or you go through a a difficult time or you're coming up against an obstacle, sometimes I like to remind myself I'm not the only one who's ever gone through this. I'm not the only one around the world in this big family of God who's dealing with a tragedy or is dealing with a a, a big, you know, dream or vision. I'm not the only one. You have family members. Some of them are here in this room. Many of them are outside of this state and around this world. And be encouraged tonight, even as we look at the word, to realize that not only do you have all of heaven on your side, but you have men and women, brothers and sisters around the world who have gone through some of the same things, who are going through some of the same things, and who have become victorious on the other side of whatever obstacle, challenge, or difficulty that you might ever encounter in life. And to me, that encourages me to know that there is hope, that God is working, that He is faithful. And so I just want to encourage you guys as we look at the Word tonight and we examine this idea of being stronger. My prayer is that after this weekend, tonight and then tomorrow throughout the day, that you would be stronger men. I know that's Pastor John and Pastor Corey's heart, and I know that's the heart of Victor Christian Center in Lafayette, is that the men of Victor Christian Center, that you would be strong men, that you wouldn't be swayed by temptation, that you wouldn't be taken out by trial, that you wouldn't get you know, uh, removed because of, uh, uh, you know, of some difficulty, but that you would be strong and that you would be able to know God's voice, you could hear it, and that you would be led by the Spirit of God regardless of the economy, regardless of the government, regardless of uh, your you know, background, regardless of your past, that you can stay strong because on the other side of you staying strong are a lot more people that need to be helped along the way. Just shake your head like this. Say, okay, I get it. You say, why do I go to places... Somebody pointed it out to me, and I, I haven't really thought about it that much, but uh, what night was it? Sunday, last Sunday night, I was coming back from uh, down on the border, McAllen, Texas. I'm arriving at the airport, just like every week, grabbing my bags, and this other preacher comes up, and he just starts talking to me. He said, man, it's great what we get to do. I said, yeah, that's great. 
He said, you know what? He's like, most of the time when you go into places, you get to help people. They don't even know they need help. I said, what? He's like, you go into places like Burma and Cambodia. He's like, why do you do that? I said, well, I just do it because that's what God said to do. He said, well, you do it because they need help. He said, but the reality is they don't even know they need help. Isn't that something that we have the awesome responsibility that when we receive Christ and we're transformed, that we can then help people out. And the reality is most of the time people don't even know they need help. They think everything's okay. They don't know that there's a new normal that they can accept to their life and that things can actually dramatically change. And that's the transformation process. And so you and I, as we get stronger, what happens is we then go into our jobs and we go into our hobbies and we go around the town. And people, even though they think everything's all right and they think that everybody has to go through the problems they're going through, you can come in and you can help them to realize they need help and they may not even know it. You can help them to realize what happens is you can cause their mind and their eyes to be opened to another way of living. That's why it's so important for us to be stronger. Are you getting stronger? You're looking at me like, huh? Why do you have a Canada jacket on? Well, because about a month ago, I was in Canada, Victor Christian Center in Edmonton, Canada. They gave me a sweatshirt, and I was packing to come up here. And I thought, you know what? I never wear this Canada sweatshirt, and it's going to be cold in Indiana. So I'm not being unpatriotic. I'm just giving a shout-out to Corey's in-laws, who are from Canada. Right, Corey? All right, so get past that. Everybody say stronger. So I believe God wants us to get stronger tonight. And I'm not going to talk very long. Uh, We're going to have some discussion here in a moment. But if you would, uh, follow along with me in your Bibles in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. If you have it in the New International Version, it says this, starting in verse 4. The weapons we fight are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now for all of these men in this room. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for working, for moving. Thank you for bringing them here for this time and this season. I thank you they're here on divine assignment. That it is divinely destined for them to be here to hear what you have to tell them tonight. So, Lord, I just ask that you would open up their ears and their heart to receive the things that you want from us. Lord, to, that, that you could speak to us and that we could open up our lives to receive from you. So, Lord, we ask that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, that you would actually equip us to leave this camp time that we have together different and changed, ready to reach some more people for you. So, Lord, we just honor you in this moment in Jesus name. Amen. You know, as I was preparing for this time together with you guys, I heard about this theme of stronger. I began to study this idea of having stronger thoughts. It just so happened that this Wednesday, I guess two days ago, I was preaching at our home church there in Tulsa, Victor Christian Center. And, uh, you know, I was studying for the message to come here with you guys. And then it kind of just slipped my mind. I'd, you know, I'd preached nine times when I was in Southeast Asia, and then I came back and I preached somewhere else. And then I was preaching four services last weekend. And so, you know, I took a day off on Monday. I thought, I'm not going to worry about preaching and studying or any of those things. Sometimes you just need to take a day off, right? And so I played golf. I took the day off. Then Tuesday, I thought, okay, I'm getting things ready. And then my kids were sick and, you know, I had all this stuff to take. So Wednesday comes around. I said, okay, I got to get ready for that 
uh, time there in Indiana as, as I'm starting to think about, okay, what, what do you have, Lord, for that wonderful group of guys? And I'm studying about through the morning. So then I remember, wait a minute, I got to preach tonight. I had to preach Sunday, uh, Wednesday night service, 7 o'clock. I said, oh, it's a good thing I've been studying for that service there on the weekend. So I've actually had a trial run at preaching some of these thoughts uh, that I have for you guys. And I just gave it to them, uh, and, uh, and it went pretty good. So I just believe that the Lord has some things from this passage of Scripture. But I believe it's specifically for you guys. And uh, it, it, it's around this idea of having stronger thoughts. This Scripture here in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 5 says, Two phrases that stick out to me is the phrase demolish and take captive. It says we are to demolish any thought or idea and we are to take captive those ideas and make them obedient to Christ. Do you know what it means to demolish? How many of you have ever been to a demolition derby? You know, I've actually been to a demolition. How many of you have ever been to a demolition derby? Okay, so I'm not talking for, you know, I asked the people in Tulsa that, and like four people are like, demolition derby? What's that? I had to explain it. But, but you guys understand, you know, I grew up, I was born on the border of Nebraska and Iowa, and, and don't hold it against me, all right? And uh, I was born in a small town in Iowa called Missouri Valley, Iowa, and that's where I grew up the first few years of my life. And the, the one and only time that I can remember ever going to a demolition derby, I was probably seven years old. My dad took me here. It was the, the, the city fair. We had, you know, we, a wonderful time of the day and activities and games and a bunch of fried food. And then at night we went, you know, I'm talking about when I say fried food, they fry everything at those city fairs, right? Is it like that around here? All right. So you understand my train of thought. And so here we are. I'm sitting in these stands, you know, and I'm watching. There's probably 20 cars out in the field, you know. And then all of a sudden the, the siren goes off and these cars just start smashing each other like you see there. And I'm asking my dad. I said, okay, well, what's the point? He's like, well, they just crash into each other. And I said, well, what happens then? He said, well, they just keep crashing each other until the car doesn't run anymore. And he said, when that car's run, they kind of move it to the side. And then the other cars just keep on going until there is no car left that can run except for one car that is remaining at the end and the one car that is remaining at the end is declared the winner of the demolition derby isn't that right and I thought about how that you know with that idea of demolishing that sometimes we think when he says to take captive and demolish it's okay for us to have four or five thoughts left but the reality is The thoughts that we need to have left at the end of the day in our life are the thoughts of Christ, the thoughts of God. We don't have place for four or five competing cars in our head. We need to demolish every car and everything that is contrary to his nature, that is contrary to the old way, and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to demolish. In other words, they aren't running anymore. Right? That, that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. That's what Second Corinthians is talking about. The mindset of Christ is all that should be remaining. We should demolish wrong mindsets, inferior mindsets, negative mindsets, and make them obedience, obedient to Christ. Everybody say stronger thoughts. Did you know this? That your mind, right now, while I'm talking, my mind, your mind, that our minds can produce about 800 words a minute. 
Now, not your voice. Your voice can only speak maybe 100 or so at the most words per minute. But your mind is translating those thoughts into words, into your head. And you are deciphering different things as you're even listening continually throughout the day. I mean, right now, you're thinking about what I'm saying. You're thinking about what you ate. You're thinking about your wife and kids back home. You're thinking about the job that you left. You're thinking about bills you might have to pay. And you're thinking about all those things in your mind all at one time, right? All those thoughts are going on. Why? Because your mind thinks much faster than the words that we can actually communicate. I mean, it's difficult for us to understand it, but we just do it naturally. I mean, as I'm speaking to you, I am deciphering what my mind is saying, and I'm picking and choosing out of the 800, and I'm saying, okay, I want number 42, and I want number 68, and I'm trying to decide which word exactly I'm going to say to you in this moment. And there are about 700 words I leave left in my mind, and I only can communicate a portion of those. So we need to understand when the scripture says we need to take captive every, say every. That means the 800 or so thoughts every minute of the day, we need to take captive the thoughts that might be contrary to the thoughts of Christ. Thoughts that would cause us to think less about ourselves. Thoughts that would cause us to remember the old nature. Thoughts that would speak doubt or unbelief over our life. Thoughts that would speak negativity over our kids. Thoughts that would, you know, devalue ourselves or others. Those are the type of thoughts that the Apostle Paul is saying, look, we need to take those things captive. Everybody say, stronger thoughts. In this passage of Scripture... Who was the Apostle Paul writing to? Was he writing to the heathens, the backsliders? Was he writing to the lost people? Who was he writing to? He was writing to the church. This is 2 Corinthians, the church of Corinth. This is his second letter to the church and the church leaders. Why is that important to understand? Because sometimes when we're saved, sanctified, spirit-filled, love God, tithe, been around the things of God. We think everybody else who doesn't know God, they need to get their mind in the right place. They need to get renewed. Have you ever thought like that? Oh, that guy, he needs to get renewed because he's all messed up. But the reality is the Apostle Paul was writing to the church. How many of you have been in church? Apostle Paul was writing to the church. So it would be like, you know, some apostle came through VCC Lafayette and he, he writes you a letter by saying, Hey, uh, Pastor John, here's a few things I just want to remind the church there in Lafayette. He was just reminding them, look, don't think it, you know, because in Corinth at that time, and I'll explain a little bit about Corinth uh, in church on Sunday, but Corinth at that time was not the model city for Christianity. Corinth was known for immorality. So Corinth was a place that was a very immoral place. And he was writing back to the church leaders there, and he was saying, hey, look, You're in a place that's very difficult. You're in a place that's coming against your mind continually. And that's why he was telling them, look, guys, in order for you to run this race and to do the things that you were called to do, he understood the the things they were up against. But he said, you are going to have to demolish and take captive. You're going to have to have stronger thoughts than before now that you are in the family of God so that you can achieve the things God has for you. Just look at the person next to you and say, I think I'm getting stronger. So he was talking to the church and he was saying, you cast down, you demolish the stinking thinking, you demolish the things that are contrary to God and his plan for our lives. 
Now, why is this important? Why is it important for you, whether you are 16, 25, 45, 65, or 75, like a brother over here? Why is it important at all seasons of life, regardless of our age, our background, or our experience? Why is it important for us to have stronger thoughts? Why is it important for us to demolish continually and for us to take captive? Why do you think it's important? Let me ask you this question, and this is why it's important. How many of you want to have a better marriage? Let me see your hand. How many of you want to have better results in your finances? How many of you want to have better results in your children, in your family, in your relationships? How many of you think that God's desire is for you to have the best in all areas of your life? Don't you think that's God's desire? So if that's God's desire, the reality is that God has a desire for us, but those things don't happen automatically. We don't grow automatically. We don't get saved automatically. We have to do some things along the way in order for the growth process to take place. So the Apostle Paul is writing back to the church, and he's saying, look, guys, you're at one level, but you need to go to another level. And why I believe this word is so important for you guys to be stronger, it's because God wants to take your marriage to a new level. He wants to take your influence to a new level. He wants to take your family to a new level. He wants to bless you and your business and your finances at another level. Here's the reality. If we're going to go to another level, get this, then we're going to have to think on another level. We can't think at this level if we want to be at this level. Because the thoughts at this level keep us where we are. Isn't that right? It's, it's just like in school. If you don't think at another level past third grade, then you won't be able to pass sixth grade. Third grade math, social studies, and science, though it's foundational, it will not help you to pass sixth grade. Because you have to bring your thoughts up to a sixth grade level in order to pass those things at the sixth grade level. Isn't that right? We can see that in the natural, but sometimes we think that in the kingdom of God, it's just pray, hallelujah, amen, come to church, tithe. And even though we can grow in some areas, what I believe that the spirit of God is trying to challenge us, if we're going to be stronger, is that we're going to have to start thinking on another level. And that doesn't mean equality across the board. It just means for you individually, what is the next level for you? You can't compare it to somebody else. My next level may be different than yours. Your next level may be different than the person next to you. But each of us have another level. Would you agree with that? Just look at the person next to you and say, I need to think on another level. Proverbs 23 and verse 7 says this. As a man thinks within himself, so is he. You see, my encouragement for us here at this wonderful uh, camp is that we would be challenged to demolish and take captive any mindset, any thought that's keeping us from achieving God's best. Think about it this way. At your house, at home, you have locks on your doors. Some of you have security. Some of you great NRA men even have guns to protect things that are important to you. Isn't that right? Why is that? You don't want just some intruder being able to come in and take the things that are rightfully yours. Do you? No. That's why you lock it. You secure it. You got guns to back it up. 
Isn't that right? Because you don't want some person who just wants to come in and grab your things, an intruder, to have access to those things. Here's the reality. There are intruders from the enemy and from this world that are trying to come in your mind on a regular basis. And those intruders are trying to take captive your life, but you need to take captive those thoughts. Those intruders are trying to steal things that are yours. Those intruders are trying to keep you at a level that's below the place that you are destined to go. And what do you do about that? You take captive those intruders. You take captive those thoughts. You can't let intruders like negative Nelly from down the street or worried Wilbur from across the road. You can't let critical Carl come on inside your head or even doubtful Dave or maybe even angry Albert. Now, if your name is one of those guys, don't be offended. I changed Dan to Dave so Dan would not be offended. (laughs) You see, things like negativity, worry, critical nature, doubt, unbelief, anger, immoral, whatever those things are that are trying to come into your mind at that pace of 800 thoughts, trying to create a communicating sentence to you to get you to then act a certain way or behave a certain way. You need to take captive those things. It's been said this way, that you are today where your thoughts have brought you and you'll be tomorrow where your thoughts have taken you. The question I want to pose for us tonight is, then where are you headed? And it's not going to be up to Pastor John and how great he preaches. How wonderful I talk to you tonight. It's going to be how you apply the things that God is trying to speak to you and delivering to you And then how you take captive those things. So where are your thoughts taking you now? Just think about that. We're going to have a little uh, time, just a moment to talk through this. Picture this. Your thoughts are like trains. They take you somewhere. You wouldn't go down to a train yard, hop on any train without first asking this question. Where is this train taking me? Have you ever heard someone say, oh, I just lost the train of thought. See, thoughts are like trains. They take you somewhere. But the reality is people are waking up every single day and they're hopping on trains of thought without asking the question, where is this train taking my life? That's why I'm encouraging you to take captive those thoughts. Because if you get in the habit of jumping on a train day after day, then it will take you down a path. And eventually... The train that you're on, it will take you down a path. And if you haven't taken captive the wrong thoughts and applied the right thoughts, then you'll end up at destinations you weren't meant to be at. See, there is no way that we can live a positive life with a negative mindset. Because here's the reality. A negative mindset puts us on the wrong train and we won't end up at our destination. Now, when I say a positive life, sometimes people think, well, Just being positive and a positive thinker is not the ultimate goal. And I realize that. Positive thinking is not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is achieving God's plan and purpose for our lives throughout the entirety of our life. Shake your head like this. What I'm talking about is God doesn't want you just to have a good season with him. And then you look back and say, man, I was so close to God when I was this age. And when my family was like this, it was wonderful. My life was so great then. 
Why is it important to take captive and to demolish continually throughout our lives so that we can, throughout the course of our life, achieve the things that God asks us to achieve and be at the places that he asks us to go? In other words, when it's all said and done and you pass away or you go to meet him, whichever happens first, if he comes or if you go up there, at the end of it all, you want to look back and you want people to have looked back upon your life and my life. You want people to look back and say, you know what? They finished the course. They did what God asked them to do. They were obedient to the things that God told them to do. And then you, you not only made an impact in that moment, but you leave something behind. All of us can think of somebody who did great things for a season, but then at the end of their life, they didn't have that much greatness left over. Or maybe they, they did great things for God during one span of their life, but then at the end of their life, there wasn't much left to show how they really affected generations to come. You see, why is that? Because I believe that they didn't take captive and demolish continually. Because if you take captive and demolish continually and you get yourself on the right train, then God will see to it that he will work things out throughout the entirety of your life. So your impact and your influence and your purpose on the earth will go beyond just your life. Just shake your head like this. You see, that's what real Living for God and being stronger is all about. Everybody say, demolish and take captive. All right, understand, trains take you somewhere. So trains are just like thoughts. So here's a couple of things. And I'm going to go through these rather quickly because I think you guys are getting the concept here. So you're here, you say, okay, I need to switch the train tracks and I need to demolish some things in my thinking. How can I do that? Here's three things I'm going to give you that will be helpful for you, you can talk about these in the, in the small groups here in, in a moment. Three things will help you change and grow. Everybody say change and grow. It's okay to change and to grow. Just don't grow much this way. Just grow inside, all right? So it, say change and grow. All right, first thing in order to change and grow, if we're going to demolish and take captive, first thing to do is recognize. Everybody say recognize. You see, we need to recognize the intruders that are trying to get into our mind. Lies of the enemy. You will never change until you recognize you need to change. When somebody goes into an Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, first thing that they have to do is they have to acknowledge they have a problem. If they don't acknowledge they have a problem, then they are not going to get the help that they need. Anyone who ever goes through counseling for rehabilitation of some problem or an addiction, they have to first get to the place they realize, I need help, or else you can't help those kind of people. If we are going to recognize, if we are going to change and go to a new level, we're going to have to first recognize there are some intruders at the level where we're at. There are some intruders that have leached on or they have crept in somehow. And we just take captive and we demolish them. Okay, so we have to recognize who those intruders are. Now, some people say things like this. Well, I'm not negative. I'm just being real. I'm a realist. Okay. Whatever helps you sleep at night. All right? If you're not negative, fine. But here's the reality. A negative person, they don't really ever know that they're negative. Other people can see it. But most of the time, you're the last one that gets the message. You're the last one that gets the message. You're critical. You're doubtful. You're negative. You're wrong. Why? Because we all think we're right. And those are the competing thoughts that go on in our heads. We have to first get to the place where we recognize, I need some help. Here's the reality. Every single one of us, you, me, Pastor John, Corey included, we all need some help at demolishing and taking captive. 
Why? Because God wants us to go to another level. Do you know when we stop demolishing and taking captive? Is when we cease to exist. Because the Bible talks about how we are to be like Christ, how we have his nature. But the reality is we have his nature in our body and in our world. So throughout the entirety of our life, it's going to be a life of demolishing and taking captive every day. That's what the Apostle Paul was going through. That's what he was encouraging them with. He understood. He was in a Roman jail cell when he wrote this letter to them. He understood. And even the, the letter to the church of Philippi, he understood what it was like to go through some stuff in the natural. But what you understand through his words and through his writing, you understand that he had control over his thoughts. He had control over his thoughts, and that's revealed through his words. So we don't hear things like, this stinks. I hate this. I'm going through this stupid jail again. They're, they're, you know, they're falsely accusing me. My life is terrible. You don't hear the Apostle Paul saying things like that, even though he had some rough times. But how many times have we wake up in the morning and you complain about the stuff that you're going through? Or in the afternoon, you talk about how terrible the stuff was that you went through or the things that you're facing. And what we have to realize is that no one else can demolish or take captive our thoughts. We're the only ones. But we have to first recognize. Everybody say recognize. You see, get this. God loves you the way you are, but he wants you to grow. And growth, the part of growth is not up to God, even though he can do anything. Our growth is not up to him. It's up to us. Because he doesn't force us to grow. It's like he doesn't force us to get saved. We have to choose. So we have to choose to grow. That's why Apostle Paul said you have to demolish and take captive. When you demolish and you take captive any thought or mindset, then you grow. So after we recognize, what do we do? We reject. Everybody say reject. Give an example of this. If we're eating a meal like we just had a wonderful meal, if you were getting ready to eat those mashed potatoes and you saw a cricket or a bug inside those mashed potatoes as you were getting ready to take the bite. Most of you, unless you grew up in a place that you eat those on a regular basis, most of you would probably reject that. And you might even reject this place. And you might even reject Pastor Corey for bringing you here. So they have bugs in the food out there, Pastor. Something's wrong with that place. You wouldn't willfully, once you see an intruder, you wouldn't willfully allow the intruder into your life unless, like I said, that's some thing culturally where you do that. Like in Cambodia, they eat crickets. So I wouldn't be able to tell them this analogy. I'd have to think of something else. They eat crickets and bee larvae and scorpions and tarantulas. And they fry whatever it is that walks, they fry it. And they think it's okay. That's why God sent me there to redeem them. I was in Hong Kong a couple of years ago after we had moved there. And after the service, a guest speaker was preaching that day. And myself and the pastor and a group of us went out to eat. We were in a, a local Asian stir-fry place. And we we're all eating lunch. And as we were eating lunch, the guest pastor, preacher, the guy just finished. He's sitting right next to me. He's grabbed some stir-fry, puts it on his plate. And then after he grabs it, he points inside the bucket where the stir-fry was. And he said, what is that? I look over there. I didn't want to tell him what I thought it looked like. I had to let him interpret. I said, what do you think it is? He said, it looks just like a cockroach. I said, well, at least it's fried. I mean, it would have been worse if he was alive, right? But at least it was a fried cockroach. 
We looked at that, and you know what? He rejected that food. I rejected that food. Pretty soon the whole table found out there was a fried cockroach in the middle of our stir fry. We rejected that meal, and now we reject that restaurant. Everybody say reject it. When you know there are some intruders and you start to recognize them, you then can start to reject them. So what are some ways that we can reject things that are contrary to what God says? And an example of this is in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. It gives us a guideline on how to think. It says, think on things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, virtuous, or praiseworthy. Think or dwell on these things. So a little example on how you can test something is like this. If it's not true, don't think on it. If it's not a good report, don't dwell with that report. If it's not praiseworthy or uplifting, then don't meditate on that. Do you know this is why I always read the sports section last when I read the newspaper? Isn't that interesting? So why do you do that, Pastor? Well, when I open up the front page of the newspaper, it tells me all the terrible bad things that already happened. Or it forecasts all the terrible things that will happen. How wrong this guy is and how wrong this person is. But you know, in the sports section, it always talks about the victories. It always talks about the team that won. The guy last night that hit the walk-off home run. And it leaves you feeling like there is hope. That's why I read the sports section last. My wife always says, well, all you do is read the sports section. No, I flip through the other stuff. I want to know what's going on. But I'm always reading sports last because I want to fill up. I want my thoughts to be victorious. I want my life to feel like I'm above and not beneath. And so you can do that with simple things just like that. And you can say, you know what? If there are going to be competing thoughts in my head, then I'm going to have more competing thoughts of victory than there are of defeat or doubt and despair. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about taking captive and then learning to reject. So reject those things that don't line up here with Philippians chapter 4 in verse 8. The reality is that there are some thoughts that should not have access to your minds. Did you know that? It's like when I fly in to Chicago, for instance, coming back from Asia, and I go through, once we get off the plane, I go through that area of customs and border control. I have to go up there with my passport and show them that I'm a U.S. citizen. Even if I'm wearing a Canadian sweatshirt, I show them I'm a U.S. citizen. They look at that picture. They look at me. They look at the picture. They scan that thing. They check the details. Okay, thank you, sir. What was the uh, nature of your visit to Burma and Cambodia? And they never really understand. Why do you go all those places? I said, well, I do mission work. Okay, what was the nature of your visit? Are you bringing anything with you? They're checking to see. Do, have I been granted the right to access back into this country? And you know what? There are some people that try to get on those planes. And even if they make it on the plane, they come. They still have to go through that check. And some people get turned around at the border because they have not been granted access into our great country. And the reality is there are some thoughts on a regular basis. They're knocking on the border of your minds. And they're saying, let me in. They're saying, I have some stuff I want to bring in. They're saying, you know what? I came from here and now I'm coming over to your place. But the reality is you need to reject those things that don't have access into your mind. Because if they can get rejected before they come in, then your life can continue to go in the place that God is trying to direct it to go. So we don't want to be detoured on this path that God has us on. 
So we recognize, then we reject. Everybody say reject. Let me just say this. Some people say, you need to just have an open mind. If you ever argued or talked with any family members and say, you don't have an open mind. You're just one of those Christians or one of those people that believes in this or that. Anyone ever had someone say, you need to have an open mind? Let me see your hand. All right. Anyone who, who's lived any amount of time, you've probably had this experience or heard it. Here's the reality. An open mind, it's overrated. You don't know why it's overrated? Because your mind should not be open to everything. There are some thought processes and ideas that should never have entry into your minds. It doesn't matter what people say. Your mind is surrendered to him. So our mind is not just an open book. Okay, tell me about this false thing. Tell me about this lying. Tell me about all these cruddy things going on. Tell me about the latest story on this thing and that thing and this person and their relationship. Tell me all those things. No, 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 no. We don't need an open mind. We don't need an open mind on all the things that we don't believe. We need to be closed to the things that are contrary to what God says. Some people say, I watched that because of this little four-second redemptive quality in that. No, you're deceived. You opened yourself up, and now you allow all this crud in, and now you got to spend a long time trying to get all that crud out. So don't be so open to the things that other people say you should be open to. You reject them. Everybody say reject it. So after we reject it, what do we do? We replace them. We replace them with thoughts that God has given us. Ephesians 4 and verse 23 says this. Be constantly renewed. How often? Constantly. Amplified version says constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. In other words, this is not a once and done experience that you arrive at, but it's a continual journey of being renewed. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, if you're writing this down, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is very important for us that we would understand the renewing of our mind and the process that takes place. And before we we pray and you break up into groups, I just thought about these two illustrations. In Matthew In Matthew chapter 5, we have this story of Jesus. He's teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And he talks about different things. And he's teaching the people all day long. But there's a phrase that he uses six different times throughout this long day of teaching the people. He says this phrase as he's getting ready to introduce a topic on marriage, adultery, finance, whatever. Whatever the topic is, he says this phrase. And then after a few sentences, he says another phrase. The phrase that he says is, you have heard. And he'll say, you have heard, whatever the topic is. And then he says this, but I say to you. Then he goes on and he talks a little bit. Then he says, you have heard, but I say to you. In other words, what he was getting them to realize is that you have one type of thought process. Someone taught you something about this subject, but I am saying to you, this is how you're supposed to think on it. See, you have heard some things about your life and about your purpose and about your destiny. You've heard some things growing up. You've had some teachers and family members. They have spoken some things. You have heard some things, but the reality is God is saying some other things to us. God is saying some things that will help pull us up 
to another level. So each of us have things we've heard over our lives or things that our wives or kids or our teachers or people around us say to us or bosses say about us. But the reality is we need to hear what Jesus says. We need to hear what God says about us. So we need to demolish and take captive other thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. The reality is many times throughout our lives, we can take on thoughts or baggage that is not rightfully ours. And we need to get rid of it and accept the things that God has given us. Give you an example of this as we pray. Three weeks ago, I was coming back from a trip. My wife and I were at the baggage claim place, getting our bags off of the carrier at the airport. I grab a bag. It looks just like my wife's bag. It's black. It says Delcy on the front. Grab it. I put it down over here, and I'm just standing there. I had flown 30 hours. I'm half awake. My bag is here, and this lady walks up to me, and she says, sir, you have my bag. I looked down. I said, I'm sorry, ma'am. You must be mistaken. This is my wife's bag. And she said, oh, well, that's very interesting because my name tag is on the side of it. I step back. I look down there. It looks like my wife's bag. I pulled up that name tag. Sure enough, it didn't say Sarah Worley. I don't know whose name it was. I said, oh. I said, how did your name get on my wife's bag? She said, sir, that's my bag. I said, oh, I'm sorry. She took the bag. She walked away. And I thought, whoa, that was exactly the same bag as my wife had. Then a few seconds later, plop, all of a sudden, here comes the bag out of the belt. I said, whoa, that is my wife's bag. And I grabbed the bag that was rightfully mine. I was about to take on something that, was, that I was not meant to carry. It, was, it did not belong to me. Even though I didn't know it, the reality was I was about to take something that didn't belong to me. And the reality is that we can take on ideologies, we can take on mindsets, we can inherit thoughts that don't belong to us. They may have belonged to grandpa, they may have belonged to brother or sister or mom, or dad. They may belong to boss or teacher or other people who have influenced you and I. They may be their thoughts, but you know what? They don't belong to us. We don't have to be those people. We can be the other type of person who demolishes and takes captive every thought and make it obedient to the nature of God. You believe that? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray right now for all of these men. I thank you, Lord, that even as we break up into a discussion time, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would guide and direct. I pray, Lord, that if there's any luggage or thoughts or things that people have accepted that don't belong to them, Lord, that tonight would be a night where we can lay those things back on that baggage belt and that you can take those things away. And Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would help us to recognize. We can spot it in others, but help us to recognize it in our own life things that we need to adjust or change, things we need to demolish and take captives. Lord, help us to recognize those things. And Father, I just pray that you would give us the strength to reject anything that's not of you. Lord, if it's just our own desire, our own will, or our own emotions, we just pray that you would help us to reject those things. And that we could then replace any wrong mindset, any negative attitude, any critical nature, or any thing that's contrary to your nature and your spirit, that we can replace it with, as your, like your Bible says in Philippians, Lord, we can replace it with those things that are true and noble and right and just and virtuous and praiseworthy. 
Lord, that's our prayer tonight. So I just pray over each man here. Lord, they are stronger. They're stronger because your word strengthens us. So I pray that even in this moment, Lord, you're strengthening us on the inside so we can be stronger men on the outside. In Jesus' name. You guys receive that today? Amen.